0: Um we are going to be looking through Scripture and discussing the signs and the second coming of Jesus. Um, I, I don't know if you guys remember, we were in the Christmas series, and I think it was like week two or something, and... Um, you know, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, him coming to us, and I just felt like God said to me and really challenged me as a pastor that, that we should also really be talking about his second coming. You know, at Christmas, we celebrate his birth, and then also it's that Advent, it's his, his coming, the second coming, and so that's what we're going to be doing, and I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if you fellas have ever been in this predicament here, just to kind of start this off with a little bit of fun. Um, but, like, um, I'll be watching TV, and Lori will have her stuff together, and she'll say, Babe, I'm going to uh, have breakfast with these people. Or she's like, um, I've got something, I've got I to go run some errands, or I've got to go to the store. Would you please empty uh, out the dishwasher and just vacuum the downstairs, before, or keep the laundry going, whatever it is. She'll give me something, and I say, Yes, I'll get it done before you get back. And what happens is, is I occasionally will lose track of time. And I'm just being honest with you. And and I'll get a text from Lori or a call and she'll say, She'll say, all right, I'm on my way home. Do you need anything from like Starbucks or something like whatever? And what happens is, is I'm on the phone. I'm very calm. No, babe, I'm, I'm all good. Uh, I'll see you when you get back. And guess what happens when I hang up? I'm in panic mode. Now I've got to get up. I've got to get the vacuum out. I got to be empty and stuff and all that. But, but just, I thought, you know, I, I came across this video that I think all of us fellas can uh, relate to. So you guys check this out right here. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, Lori just said in my ear, she goes, you don't serve me like that. Anyway. <laughs> All right. All right. So it's that, it's that knowing she's returning, you know, it's that, 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 that shock and awe, you know. But, but the, poor, the, the Lord put into my mind, into my heart, that we're supposed to talk about the second coming of Jesus. Church, we really should be excited about this. And and so we, I've entitled this series, actually, that we're going to go through for the next five weeks, Just Before Jesus Comes. Just Before Jesus Comes. And sometimes pastors and leaders will use end-time scripture or prophecy, actually, to kind of just scare people into, um, I don't know, into faith. I was raised in church in the 1970s. I've talked a lot about this, and I think as long as I'm your pastor, I'll reflect back to us. But in the 70s, um, early 80s, um, it was really end-time stuff. I mean, I can tell you that um, the pastor would be up there... Talking about end times, and, and it was things like 666, uh, the beast, the antichrist, if you took the number, you're going to be beheaded, being left behind, God's wrath, and all of this. And I, I'm telling you, man, I'd be sitting on the front row on the pews and whatever, and as soon as the pastor would say, hey, man, I, I, I was flying down to the altar because I didn't want to miss, uh, I, I didn't want to be left behind. Let's just say it that way. And and that's that's what it was. I mean, guys, listen, in the 70s, look at our Christian movies. These were the movies that they made for us believers. You guys check this out. They're going to come up for you. The Prodigal Planet, Early Warning, A Distant Thunder, A Thief in the Night, Years of the Beast, Image of the Beast. The great, the, the late great planet Earth, man, that, that listen, man, that's, uh, you know, you don't want to, you're not praising God, you're, you're, you're like, you don't know what to do, you know what I mean? It was just like, I remember being six and seven years old, and I would take a piece of gum out of my mom's purse without telling her, and later that night, I'd feel guilty about it, and, and I would make sure I'd go tell mom I did it because I didn't want to be left behind in the rapture. Because the littlest thing, there were people that didn't go to movies because they felt if God came back, you would leave them in the movie theater. Listen, I'm just being honest with you. But John 14, starting with verse 1, listen to the words of Jesus himself. This is Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Give me an amen. amen. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, everybody say this with me, I will come back, amen, and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And so there is so much that we have in Scripture that points us to the return of Jesus, that gives us warnings of what is to come, to be ready. Everybody say ready. To be ready so that no one could claim ignorance about this subject. This is what my intent is on this. Every person that's here this morning, every person that will be in the second service and will be online, is that no one will be ignorant or say they did not know. I want everybody to know that Jesus is going to come back. Acts 1. Think about Acts 1. This is the chapter that we claim that we're still continuing to live out. Acts 1, starting with verse 9, says this, And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight, and they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going. The angels said, skipping forward, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In Israel many times. Look at these pictures here. This is up on Mount of Olives that I took these pictures. This is the exact place right up here at the top, on top of Mount Olives that Jesus ascended. And this is what we know that in in New Testament scripture and in Revelation that that he will come back and and, uh, descend into this same place. So we know that this is going to happen. If I was going to title this morning's message, which really I didn't, it would be about more of where are we in time? What are we seeing happening right now? Where are we in time when, it's, when we're looking at the return or the soon return of Jesus? I think every generation since the time that Jesus ascended into heaven has had a reason to think that they were living in the end times. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I think about the people that right after Jesus left, and you think about the things that Rome did and what the Roman Empire was doing where they were just taking nation after nation after nation. They were, they were literally uh, uh, murdering and, and putting out the, the life out of Christians just for fun. And you could just tell that there was probably people that would go, oh, this Caesar has to be the Antichrist. Oh, this Caesar has to be the Antichrist. This Caesar has to be the Antichrist. And it would go on and on and on. Think about this one right here. In 1346 and 1353, there was a thing called the Black Plague. Yes. Guys, for seven years, and listen, and really, it's, it how little of time. In seven years, they, they estimated that 200 million people died from that disease. 200 million people died from the Black Plague. Now, I can tell you that there were believers that were sitting there thinking, we're living in the last days. I think about World War I. These poor boys that went over there to fight and, and the women that were taking care of them in hospitals and they're stuck in trenches. They're not making any movement. It doesn't look like it's ever going to end and the world is just going at each other. They had to think we're living in the end times. World War II comes along and we've used the atomic bomb for the first time. You've got a man by the name of Hitler over there that you could just know that there were Christians going, that has to be the Antichrist. I think about ISIS These poor believers that live in the Middle East that that love Jesus and they were being put, thousands of these people were being put to death for their faith in Jesus. And because they would not proclaim Muhammad as their God, they were being put to death. And you know they had to think that they're living in the end times. You have pornography that has gone to a level that it's hard to even describe anymore what it's doing to our world. I think about sex trafficking that it's not just about men and women—I mean, about women and children anymore. I've seen videos where they're stopping trucks and they're loaded with men that are being sold as, sold as sold as sex slaves. I think about pandemics. I think about climate change. Why is it important to talk about the signs of His return? Why talk about this, Pastor Matt? Well, when I, when I talked about this, when I brought it up in, in Christmas and we were going to do this, you know, Lori started reading and she was just, you know, uh, looking through scripture and she came across this verse, which we all have read many times. I think when we get into the book of Revelation, we just kind of want to get past chapter one. Let's just get into what, what it's all about. But you can't skip this verse right here. And I want us all to see this. Revelation 1.3. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So here's the if you ever wonder, like, why, why talk about it? Why, why is it? Well, because God blesses us when we do. When we tell people that Jesus is going to come back, when we talk about the end times and, and what Jesus is going to do, God is going to bless us for this, and he's going to bless the ones who hear it. I love that the angel is sent to John to let him see and to hear, to give him revelation so that he could report what was shown to him, what he had received through hearing the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ himself. I love that John takes the time to let us know that there is blessing in discussing the teachings of the events and the prophecies leading up to the second coming of Christ. Guys, if I was holding a Bible up here, and you just separated it into one-third, and you held it with your hand, one-third of our Bible is prophecy. It's pretty much prophecy. It's talking about the, the first coming of Jesus and then the second coming of Jesus. And the vast majority of churches do not even want to approach the subject of the return of Jesus. Ask me why, I cannot answer for them. I don't know why they don't. I don't, I don't know why it's almost a taboo to actually want to have a conversation about the return of Jesus. And maybe a little bit it's because we have so many different theologies on it that it has gotten in the way. But I know this right here is that the New Testament in Revelation is pointing to the return of our Lord Jesus. And then there are the few that talk about the, uh, the, the, the second coming to incite fear, like I said, to try to almost do a fear-based, uh, a fear-faith base with their people. But I want to put this up on the screen for you. We are not trying to scare or fill your hearts with fear. That's not what this is about. My heart is to see the church, to see Harvest Assembly prepared, standing ready. Everybody say ready aware of the signs and the times that we live in, able to face and withstand the storms that are going to come our way, storms that are gathering in the days ahead, and that you and I start recognizing the signs, what we are seeing, and what is the word of God pointing to. You know, there really is something different about the time that we're living in in our generation. And I think it's too evident to ignore. Let me just say it this way. That that we have seen more advancement of the gospel in the last 50 years than we have seen in the last 1,973 years. Let me me say it this way. More people have come to Jesus in the last 50 years than in the last 1,973 years since Jesus ascended. Now let that sink in. In the last 50 years... That's how many people I shared a couple of weeks ago that we were breaking down a tree at New Year's and Gordon Robinson was sharing some of the statistics of, of, of CBN. And listen, I'm not talking about TBN. I'm not talking about Daystar. This is just CBN alone. And they're talking about the millions upon millions of people that came to Jesus in 2022 told us that if this continues in the next five to ten years, that some of these nations that are Muslim right now will be Christian at the end of this time. Yeah. Guys, let me say this right now. There is, a revela- there, there, I mean, there is a revival happening in Iran right now that they don't know what to do with. There's so many men and women and children coming to Jesus in Iran. They don't know how to put it out. They don't know how to st- stop it. They don't even know what's going on. They just know that Jesus... Is, is making himself known to this group of people. There is a revival sweeping our world. And even though we might not see it in the same way here, people are coming to Jesus like we've never seen before. That's the truth. Let me say this. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. We're going to be in Matthew 24 a lot. Um, throughout this series. Um, Because when we're talking about a little bit of just before he comes, I think think Matthew 24 really throws out a lot of things for us. So as me and Pastor Brad are kind of bouncing back and forth through this stuff, we're going to be referring a lot back to this chapter. So I want to start with this verse 3, and it says this right here. Matthew 24, 3. His disciples came to him and privately said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And this is exactly, you know, what, what Jesus wanted. His desire was that we would see the signs that we are entering the territory of the very end of the world. End, in the Greek, really is speaking to closure. It's talking about Completion. It's talking about when things are going to be wrapped up. And Jesus is prophesying that just before the end of this era, just before the final wrap-up of this this age, we would see. And we're going to talk about, these are the things that we're going to see. This is actually in, in chapter 24, but we're going to be talking about this over the next four weeks. This is what he said. You'll see widespread deception, famines, signs in the heavens, wars, economic instability... Persecution, great seismic activity, pestilences, legal prosecution of Christians, commotions, warring political systems, ethnic conflicts, imprisonment of believers, fearful sights, emergence of false prophets, unknown diseases, that the love of many will wax cold, and the rumors of war. There are over 300 references in the New Testament to the second coming of Jesus. Out of our 260 chapters in the New Testament from Matthew until Revelation, out of the 260, 216 of these chapters talk about either Christ's return or the end of time. Out of the 27 books of our New Testament, 23 of them point to Christ's return and or the end of time. And I believe that there's something that we all need to hear, that every person in this room needs to hear. And I'd like you to even not just hear it, but say it with me. Everybody say, no one. Say it one more time. No one. No No one but the Father knows the exact moment that Jesus will return. If a pastor, a leader, political uh, leader, somebody of influence, uh, somebody that's a a part of some cult or whatever rises up and they they start talking about that Jesus is coming. And I'm talking like there are some legit people that will start rising up and they're going to tell you that they know when Jesus is coming. I'm telling you that no one knows. And in Matthew 24, 36, however, look at this, no one knows the day. Or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. Right. Guys, I mean, visually, when, I, when I've read the scripture before, I just think of God sitting there in his throne. And they're doing heaven stuff. Just like any other day in heaven. You know, whatever that looks like. They're just doing heaven stuff. And then all of a sudden, God just looks at his son and he goes, Now. I mean, it's literally going to be this time of where Jesus is there with his father and his son, go, and his father goes, "Son, now." And in just like that, Jesus is going to move and put this into action. We are all sensing, and I know that you can sense this, that something's different about the times that we're living in. And we're going to talk about this over the next four weeks. Morality is going out the window. I have seen, I don't know if you guys have noticed this in some of the sports stuff that even in sports, how much violence has come into just going to a game on the court? How many, how many fights were in the NBA this week? Honestly, that there is the spirit of violence. This is not just about war in other countries. This, there, there has been a demonic presence that has come and has invaded our earth like a disease. And violence is running rampant everywhere. There's unruliness There's a lust for riches like we have never seen, inflation, false religion, too many gods to count. Too many men and women that are coming up with how to be higher thinking and all this and and setting themselves up as gods, Illuminati, all of it. And Matthew 24, 8 says this, and this is Jesus, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. In the KJV, in the Aramaic Bible, in plain English, it says it this way, that all these are the beginning of sorrows. You take sorrow out of that, and in the Greek, it's Odin. And Odin is talking about simply the pain of childbirth, the the, the travail of pain. Travail, you take some synonyms of travail, it is anguish, it's agony, and check this out, this is out of the dictionary, it's tribulation. Describe, I mean, listen. You think about the, describing the effects of a pregnant woman, like when Lori and I had the three kids, or th- Lori had the three kids, but I, it was really tough on me still too, though. You know what I mean? But uh, no, but anyway. But when, when we, we were about to have, which I keep saying we, when she was about to have Chase, she um, she started having contractions, and man, we oh man, we got in the car, we're rushing, we get into the hospital, and they go, oh, you're here, you're t- got here too. Soon, why don't you just go on home, give it a little bit of time, and we went home with Chase, you know. And, and and with our with Sky and Rider was a little different. We got a little better at knowing the time, and we got them there, and, and then they they had to stay there. And, and here's what happens is, is that all of a sudden now the, the contractions are speeding up. Now we're at the hospital. Now they're they're watching her and and, and they're, they're they're starting to, to time it. And in fact, you know, Lori had an epidural for all three, and so we found out that there's a very small window that between once the contractions speed up and where, the, where, where we're about to enter having the baby, that there's a small window where they can actually give her the epidural, and if they miss that window, she's going to have that baby without an epidural. Contractions are becoming more frequent, becoming more intense, and, and re, what we're watching is, is that Lori's body was literally preparing to bring a child into this world. Rick Renner... Um, I'm reading some of his material. He said this right here. Finally, talking about where we, what we're in right now, when it seems the pace and the pain of events can grow no worse, this period will end, Christ will come, and a new prophetic time period will be birthed. The events leading up to just before Jesus comes. Just before Jesus comes. And I believe he will. And at that point, as things are barreling toward the time of tribulation, Jesus will come for the church. Now listen, I know that there's some in here that probably don't believe in rapture. And, and, and listen, that's, that's okay. You, you, have, you have doctrine. You have scripture that backs that up in your heart. And then there are those of us, including me, I, I believe that a rapture is very, very possible. Very, very possible. But can I tell you this? Whether he raptures us or not, I'm ready. Everybody stay ready. I stand ready. And that's what this is about. So if the rapture is a part of this, that means that that the second coming of Jesus is two stages. Okay, there's a two stage of this. The first would be the rapture for the church, that the the dead in Christ would rise first and that he he would come and take the church. And then the second part would be Jesus coming to the earth. This is where everybody will see him. Everybody, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. They're going to know he's coming, where he will come, and he will wipe out the Antichrist, the prophets, the beasts, everything. He is going to restore order to the earth and begin to set up his kingdom. In First Thessalonians four fifteen through 17 it says, We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up. Everybody say caught up. up. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Caught up in the Greek is harpazo. Harpazo is speaking to basically seizing to snatch up, to take away by force. Have you guys ever played uh, musical chairs, you start out with twenty people. There's only nineteen chairs. You know, you know what I'm saying. And as they, when the music stops, the next thing you know, somebody's going to snatch a chair from somebody, and then they're left out. And so it's really looking at in the Latin for rapture in caught up is raptu or rapture. And, and it's and it's talking about that, that. And I'm not going to get into arguments about. I will not argue rapture with anybody. I'm not going to argue pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. I'm just not going to do that with people. All I know is, is I'm going to stand ready. I'm ready. Now, I don't believe in post-trib. In my heart of hearts, I just don't see God allowing his church, his body, the bride of Christ to go through the great tribulation. I just don't see that as happening. So whether it's pre or mid, I'm good to go. Amen? Amen. I'm just good to go. I've heard a pastor say that if he does, if we are raptured and it's pre-trib, he goes, it's like having uh, an elevator that's going to go up and down three times, right? It's pre-med or trib. He goes, I'm going to take the first elevator up. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? So so that's kind of where I am as well. No matter what, when, or how it happens, I will stand ready. And the truth is, conditions before the rapture, The upcoming events and the things that we are seeing now could potentially become so bad that it may very well feel like we've already entered the tribulation before it has actually begun. 1 Thessalonians, let's look at it again, just this part here 17 and 18. We will be caught up in the clouds and we will be with the Lord forever. So, what does it say to do? Encourage, don't be afraid. Man, if you're ready, if you love Jesus, there is nothing to fear here. So, so, what we do is we encourage one another with these words. I just wanted to fill you with hope today. I'm trying to set up this series. I want to fill you with hope. I, I don't think there's any need to be nourished. I'm nervous. I want to encourage you that we know how the story ends. Whether you're reading from Genesis or you're gonna start in Revelations, we know how the story ends, and Jesus wins. He wins. And and that's, that's, that's that's the hope that we have. Our future is secure. Remember, John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. God loves you. Jesus loves you so much. His main motivation is to Jesus returning for us. The truth is, is he wants to be with you. So let, let me give you some points coming out of here. I want this to come up in 1 Peter 4, 7. And, and look, how this, look how it starts right here. It says that the end of the world is coming soon. So he's making it clear. It's, it's going to happen. This is, this is going to take place. And he goes on to say this right here. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And so Peter tells us we are approaching the end of all, but he's encouraging us to do three things. I want to give you these three things very quickly. The first is this. Wake up, be aware, so that you can pray. Wake up, be aware, so that you can pray. If we are right with God... If we are talking with him daily, if we are in relationship with him, we will be ready. Everybody say ready. ready. That you're gonna be ready for whatever he does, and we will be prepared for whenever he returns. In Revelations 19:7 for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. The second thought, this is what Peter encourages us to do while we're waiting: grow in our godly relationships. Home groups. Home groups. Come on, give me, give me an amen on that. That's where we're going. That's what I want this church to continue to do. I want to see discipleship. I want home groups to be taking place. I want discipleship. I want praying and reading the word together. Listen, doing life together. Man, going fishing together, going to coffee together, bowling together, whatever it is, but doing life together and having relationships, godly relationships. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm going to tell you what the devil is loving about the culture we're living in right now. Is that the pandemic started something that it gave everybody this excuse or this thinking that being an introvert or being isolated or doing it on our own is the way to do it. And what happens is, is that thinking comes into the church. And so if anything happens, or we're just not feeling this today, or we don't want to get out, of we can just stay home. And we neglect getting together with those who we can have godly relationship with. And Peter's saying, don't do it. Like, keep going, keep going. Find people to be with and encourage one another. Here's the last thought, that we should use every gift Anything that we can, anything that God has given us to make a difference in somebody else's life, serving people. How, how else, God? I mean, how else, Pastor Matt? Well, loving people, so that in all things God may be praised. First Peter four ten. He goes on to say this, and he says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? Serve one another. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and we're going to take communion here in a second. Let's give our worship team a hand. They did an amazing job this morning. I just thought it was so good. Um, Can I just be real just for a second, and again, I'm not not trying to instill anybody with fear. Um, Fear is not of God, and I understand that, and that's not what I'm doing here, but I, I want to say this. I want to make sure that I say this. Yes, it's going to get worse. Anything and everything that you can possibly think of, yes, it's going to get worse. Um, And it's it's hard to imagine what that's going to be like and everything, but it it is going to happen. And it, it is a foretelling of Jesus' soon return. And we have to be honest about this. And yes, we need to be prepared. Yes, we need to be standing ready. And no matter what we see, no matter what we hear and what we experience, think of the words that Paul wrote during one of the darkest periods of his life. Look at this in Romans eight thirty seven. 37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. I love that phrase because something that I learned this uh, this week in my study is that Paul intentionally put these three words together. And I want you to check this out. Look look at what he did here. He takes this, um, he takes these words more than conquer, which in the Greek is hooper nikaho. And and hooper nikaho. If you take hooper by itself, that's the more than. It means over, above, beyond. That it's unsurpassed or unequaled. And, and then you take Nikos or nekaho, which means conquerors, which is champion, victor, or a master. And so Paul joins these three words together for a reason. Because he wants us to know, no matter what, what's going on, in the darkest period of your life, you are more than a conqueror. In fact, it says it this way, that you are an unrivaled overcomers. You are unsurpassed conquerors. We are paramount victors in Christ Jesus. We are greater, higher, better, superior, top-notch, unequal conquerors in Jesus. Rick Renner actually said it this way. We are a walloping, conquering force for Jesus. Church, there is no reason to fear. There is no reason to fear the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Let me say this again. There is no reason to fear. Let me say this one more time, church. There is no reason to fear our second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to fall back on the words of Christ himself before we close. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you. Sometimes, God, when I think about like some of my family members, dear Lord, or some of my friends who are not living for you, dear God, fear does sometimes rise up because I want them to be ready. I don't want to see them get left behind. I don't want to see them uh, face judgment, dear God. I, I want them to have a relationship with you. And so, Father, I'm just asking that if there's anybody in this room this morning that possibly could be in a place of fearing your return, no matter what that reason is, and there could be many reasons, that God, that you will help them with that. Yes, there will be people that won't get to see their graduation. There will be people that won't get married. There will be people that this is going to happen. Because when you come, you're going to come and it's it's going to happen like this. God is going to look at you and say, now, in Jesus, you're going to come for us. But we should celebrate that. We shouldn't fear that. We don't have to fear the antichrist. We don't have to fear taking the number. We don't have to fear eternity in hell because we have a relationship with you. And I'm asking you, dear Lord, to help us all stand ready. No matter the wars, no matter the sickness, no matter the violence, no matter what, dear Lord, we are gonna keep our eyes on you. With every head bowed and eye closed, before we take communion, man, especially, if there's any of you just say, Pastor Matt, um, I am fearful about this. And it could be just not because because of you, but that you do have people that you're thinking of that you don't want them to miss when Jesus returns, and if that's you, and you, you don't want fear to have that conquering part of your life, you don't want fear to riddle you when we when you have a conversation about it. And you say, Pastor Matt, I do. I want to see the fear defeated in my life. Would you just raise your hand real quickly? You're not going to have to come up. I'm just yeah. Come on, it's it's honest stuff. Good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Father God, I just pray, your Lord, with these that lifted their hands through Jesus. I just pray. God, that you would take all fear out. Father, Lord, that you would separate that, dear Lord, that they would understand just how amazing this is going to be. And dear God, I just pray for those, that, including myself, dear God, that we are praying for to, to find you, that, God, that you're going to help them with that. Jesus, that you're going to help them see that, Lord, you're, you're going to reach them. What what we are praying for, what you are praying for, God hears your prayers. And we are going to pray for prodigals to come back in the name of Jesus. Grandmothers, grandfathers, cousins, uncles, aunts, moms and dads, brothers and sisters and children. We are going to pray that these prodigals will come back into a holy, godly relationship with you. But Lord, most importantly, that we are ready. We don't have to fear because we're ready. And everybody said amen.